And we can know that we know that we're going to be taken in a rapture when we truly know that we've received Christ in our heart as our Savior. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I've entitled this message, Responding to what we see. You know, there are many signs in life, you know. We read signs on a daily basis, right? Like we read weather signs, you know, if the sky is dark and there's clouds, it's a sign that, guess what, it might rain. If we walk outside on a summer morning at 8 o'clock in the morning and it feels really hot already, it's a good sign that it's going to be hot, hot that day, like El Scorcho, right? If they have a, uh, a sign on the freeway that says, road work ahead, that means that there's going to be traffic slowing down. If the sign says, right lane closed ahead, well, we start merging to the left. Yes, there are many signs in life. Living here in Los Angeles, there's one sign that outnumbers all other signs, and that's the no parking sign. In some places, they might have five or six signs telling us when or when we cannot park in that area. Some of those places, like, like, oh my goodness, you're sitting there looking at all these signs. This one says this, this one says this, this one says this, and you're thinking, what, do you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if you can park here or not? You know, obviously, a lot of people get it wrong. But let's think happy thoughts, okay? We're going to continue in this study in the 24th chapter of Matthew. And as you remember from last time, we were looking at the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24, 32, where Jesus said that we should all learn this parable. Now, again, a parable is a earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And we saw that the Lord has referred to Israel several times in the Old Testament as the fig tree. We were told that when it's tender and it puts forth its leaves, that you know that summer is near. So when you see these things, which would include, of course, all the signs that Jesus said before in the first 31 verses, before he talked about the fig tree, he says, when you see these things happen here, know that his return is near. Now, many Bible scholars believe, and I also believe, that this is talking about the rebirth of the nation of Israel. This was prophesied back in Ezekiel chapter 37. You know, talking about the valley of dry bones. God asked Ezekiel, he says, look at this valley of dry bones. Can they all come back to life? And, you know, Ezekiel's like, well, Lord, I don't know. You know everything. And so some have said that this had already happened when Israel came out of exile from Babylon after the people did not heed the warnings of the prophet. Jeremiah to repent of their sin. And because they didn't repent, God allowed the whole nation to be taken captive into Babylon for 70 years. But then they came back into the Holy Land. So some people said, well, that was a fulfillment of those 70 years. But it couldn't have been. 
It couldn't have been because, you know, more specifically, you know, when you take Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, it's talking about events that will happen, quote, as it says in chapter 38 and 39, in the last days. So chapter 37 says when they come out uh, and back into their nation, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that God will pour out his spirit. Well, that didn't happen when they came back uh, into their homeland, you know, all the way back some, you know, 700 years before Christ was born. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured out. Understand, the Holy Spirit didn't pour out until the day of Pentecost. And that was after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. In fact, it was 50 days after his death from the cross. And now there is a partial hardening to the nation of Israel for the rejection that some of them had for their Messiah. Until when? Well, the Bible tells us in Galatians, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And then... Once the fullness of the Gentiles come in, meaning when all the Gentiles are going to make that, you know, move to receive Christ as their Savior, it's like the rapture will happen that we're going to talk about here tonight. Then after the rapture happens, there will be a massive revival in Israel where 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And they will go around the world preaching the gospel during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. But the point is this, Ezekiel 37 is speaking of the last days and scenario, and that's a time in which we live. And fulfilling the parable of the fig tree happened on May 14th, 19, or, uh, 1948, which, of course, was when the nation of Israel was given back to the people of God. That was 1,878 years after Jerusalem fell to Rome back in 70 AD. Crazy, but true. So then Jesus said in verse 34 that this generation will not pass away. What? The generation that sees the rebudding of the fig tree or the rebirth of the fig tree. You know, and so that generation will not you know, pass. So, you know, Psalm chapter 90 tells us that a generation of people is 70 years or possibly 80 years. Well, 70 years would have put it at 2018 and 80 years will put it at 2028. So we're not making a claim of what date Jesus could come back tonight, but we're just saying that the season we are here at that place So these are crazy times that we are living in for sure. So we left off last time with the day and the hour. Again, he told us no man will know. Only the Father in heaven knows the exact day. But it will be like the days of Noah. And those days were filled with divorce, sexual perversion, and just general wickedness. What do we see today? Massive divorce where more people get divorced than stay married. We see massive sexual perversion now, and we see wickedness. 
just like we saw in Noah's day. We're seeing it here in our day. Well, that was, you know, with that, I should say, as a backdrop, let's look at our first point. Some are left behind. As we read together here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40, it says, there will be two men in the field. So there'll be two people working at work. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Wow. Okay, so when this event happens, not everyone's going. Some people are taken. Some people are left behind. Now, there is a disagreement by some scholars on these particular verses. Now, one group says, and I don't agree with this group, but one group says that these taken away are taken to judgment. So the one that's taken and the one that's left behind, the one taken is going and being taken to judgment. And they key in on the verse previous to these verses in verse 39, talking about Noah's day and that the Lord took them all away talking about taking them to judgment, everyone that wasn't on Noah's ark, on the boat, they were taken to judgment. And so, and they say that here in verse 40 and 41, one will be taken and one were left in the context of using uh, verse 39, is taken to judgment. But I and many others disagree with this. First of all, this is based on the word took and taken. And when you look at the original language, the word took in verse 39 is arrow. And it's used to carry off, to remove in the context of that verse in Noah's day. And it was to judgment. But in the very next verse, in verse 40 and 41, there is a different Greek word used. It's parabolomo. And that means to take someone along. It's not to take someone to judgment, it's to take someone along. And it's interesting to note that this very word is used in other contexts in the Bible. And it means just that. Like if you look in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20, the angel appeared to Joseph. Remember, when Joseph was engaged to Mary, to wed her, she became pregnant. Well, we know that it was the Holy Spirit of God that came upon her, and she, the virgin, was going to bear a son, and his name would be Jesus. Now, that's all good, because we're reading the Bible, oh, how sweet, Mary, she's got, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she's pregnant. That's awesome. Well, think about it. Nobody in the history of humanity has ever become pregnant without having sex with someone. Well, of course, now they have the intro viral, whatever you call it, you know, whatever. But it's like, oh, my goodness. So she pops up pregnant. What's Joseph thinking? Uh, I know I wasn't there. I didn't touch her. Okay, so Joseph's got a real problem because it's like all of a sudden, you know, I mean, think about it, guys. What would you do if your fiance came running up to you? Oh, this is so exciting. What? I'm pregnant. Uh, okay, now, uh, we haven't been doing the tango, okay? How are you pregnant? And it's like, well, well, because the Holy Spirit came upon me. It's just glorious, isn't it? I'm going to bear the Messiah. Yeah. I'm just jumping for joy here. Yeah, see, so, of course, he was thinking the same thing. We'd be thinking, who are you out fooling around with, girl? 
What are you doing? And so all of a sudden, you know, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this woman here. And so, of course, you know, the Holy Spirit had to come and speak to Joseph about this, you know, dealing with him because Mary was pregnant. But the Lord told Joseph to take Mary as his wife, not to judge her and condemn her, but to take her as his wife. For the child in her womb was conceived again by the Holy Spirit, talking, of course, about Jesus. And we also see in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, where again, we're talking about this word take and took, okay? Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain where Jesus was transfigured and he was talking to Moses and Elijah. Now, obviously, they were taken there not to be judged, but rather to get a sneak peek of the glory of Jesus since he was God in the flesh. The point is this. Here in Matthew chapter 24, this is a snapshot of the rapture. So the word, you know, uh, one will be taken, one will be left. The word taken here is just like what the angel was speaking to Joseph. Take Mary as your wife, take her and bring her close to you, not take her to judge her. So it's a different word than to what's used in verse 39. It's very important because some people make a big issue about this, which of course, the whole time I was studying Bible prophecy for decades, no one ever had that point of view. Then all of a sudden this point of view comes up, you know, not too long ago and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, it's not talking about the rapture. It's like, no, you're, you're wrong. It is talking about the rapture. So anyway, that's why I embrace the latter here, because he is talking about one being taken away to heaven. Yes, and it shows us that the rapture will happen at the very same time around the world. Why? Because in Luke's gospel, we're introduced to another interesting fact. We're told in Luke chapter 17, verse 34, that in the night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Again, this is the rapture. And the fact that some will be asleep while others will be awake at work shows us that the rapture will happen at the very same time around the world. So it'll be evening or early morning in some places. It'll be midday in other places. It'll be late at night in other places. But it's going to happen at the very same millisecond around the globe where people will disappear instantly at the same exact time. No matter what time it is around the globe, the rapture will happen in the morning for some, midday for others, in the middle of the night for other people. Yes. So it's interesting to note that it will all happen. And we're also told here that some will be taken from the same bed. So we're talking here, one will be taken from the bed and the other person will be left in the bed. Meaning there will be some families where the husband will be taken and the wife will be left behind. There will be others that the wife will be taken and the husband will be left behind. Maybe they both went to church together. Maybe they thought, hey, we're all good. We're all on the same page here. Maybe they both appeared to be Christians. Yet in reality, only one was truly saved, while the other was left behind. Don't be one of those that are left behind. Don't be the person that shows up for church after the rapture happens at core church. Because my desire is not one person at this church will be left behind. There's going to be churches that they're still in full session. 
Yes, there's going to be people that are going to church and their whole church is still there because they were never taught the truth. But I don't want that to be the case with this church. I want this place to be empty. Don't be that person that comes to church and, hey man, I went to church every Sunday. You're not saved by coming to church. Now you're supposed to come to church. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of coming to church. God commands us to go to church. But don't think just because you come to church, you're a Christian. It's just like me going into In-N-Out doesn't turn me into a double-double. It's like when you come to church, it's a place to grow, but you have to make that commitment to Christ. Yes, you want to know that you know that you're saved. And how sad for that man or that woman who is left alone in that bed when that rapture happens. Or what about the people that you work alongside at work, your co-workers? You know, one will be taken and another left. Two will be in the field. One will be taken and another left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. Women that are working together, one will be taken and another left. This is why it is so critically important that we need to be diligent in sharing the gospel message with those that we work with. For we have the words of eternal life. And how sad it would be to work alongside someone day after day, month after month, year after year, possibly have lunch with them multiple times a week, share stories with them, talk about sports with them, but yet you never shared the life-changing message of the gospel with them. It's like, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're just gone one day. You disappear right in front of them. You know, they're like, hey, do you want another cup of coffee? Where where did you go? (laughs) It's like, wait, I was just talking to you. It's like, how sad it would be that you just, boing, disappear, but you never shared this message with them. And now they're left behind to face the terrors of hell that are going to break loose here in the earth. I mean, look, the rapture hasn't even happened yet. We're not even in the tribulation period. And look how desperate things are getting in the world right now. Look how crazy some of our big cities are. Look how, you know, the skyrocketing of, you know, crime that is happening in our country today. Yes, we need to share the life-changing message. It's our responsibility. This is our calling as believers in these last days. Our first point was, you know, you know, uh, make sure that you're not one left behind. You know, some are left behind. Yes, we want to make sure that we are taken in the rapture. And we can know that we know that we're going to be taken in the rapture when we truly know that we've received Christ in our heart as our Savior. But at the same time, we want as many people to go with us as possible. And since Jesus warns us that some of our mates are not going to go along with us and some of our co-workers are not going to go, that should make us even more concerned and make a concerted effort to share this message with them. You know, we should not only share it in a word, but also in deed. We should show people that we're Christians by the way that we live. And for those who have unsaved spouses living out of the faith, it is so critical 
for our spouses to really share this and not be a hypocrite in your own home. It's like it's like it's so easy to be the Christian at church and, you know, be the nice person. But what happens behind closed doors with your spouse if you have an unsafe spouse? Are you kind of a nasty bear with them? Do you treat them poorly? Are you nicer with everyone else than you are with your own spouse? It's like our spouses, you know, they see the dark side of us and they can see right through our hypocrisy. We need to be the men that are willing to love our wives and humble ourselves before the Lord. And ladies, you know, love your husbands. You know, it talks about in First Peter chapter 3 that how women by their own godly character and behavior can actually be the key element of a husband that doesn't know the Lord coming to the Lord as they see how you live your life. But in the long run, you know, uh, it will convict your mate. And some might say, yeah, but if I start loving my wife as unto the Lord and start serving them, they're going to trample all over me. And you ladies might say, yeah, but if I treat my husband like that, you know, he'll take advantage of my kindness. Yes, he will. It's just human nature, isn't it? You know, you take advantage of something that's really good. But in the long run, God says, you keep living that way and it will make a huge impact and they will come around. But all is not lost, for many will come to know Jesus in the tribulation period, even if they don't come now. And that's why it's so important to share this message. Even if someone says, you know what? I thought you were a little kooky being a Christian. Now that you've shared about the rapture of the church, now I know you're a complete lunatic, okay? <laughs> and sometimes people will have that attitude towards you. They're going to say, so you're telling me that one day, that at the very same second, around the globe, the world, 25,000 miles in circumference, 195 nations, you're telling me that someone's going to be plucked out of there at the very same second, around the world at the same time. Yes, you're crazy, they're going to tell you, but it will stick with them. And when the rapture happens and they realize, oh my goodness, that's what that lunatic coworker of mine was telling me. This is exactly what they were talking about. They were saying, look at the craziness of the world. Look at everything that's happening. It's like Jesus Christ is coming back. And you know what they're going to say? Oh, my goodness. You notice how they have all the UFO sightings now that are just really coming back strong now? UFO UFO sightings, craziness here. You know, people from other planets. Because the Antichrist is going to come in and say, that's what happened to everyone. We've got people from other planets. Our world is being attacked. And they they vacuum suctioned all these people. And they'll come up with some all kinds of bogus laws. That's why they have all these movies now about, you know, other planets and people and spaceships and Martians are going to come and all of this stuff. But listen, it's like people will know. Because it's just like when you have an outbreak of, you know, Ebola or something like that. They're able to trace it down to a, to a field up in, in Washington State uh, for lettuce or something. And, and they'll trace it all down there. How do they trace that? How do they find out where the outbreak started? Well, because they sit down, everyone who gets it, and they, they, they ask you, what did you eat in the last seven days? Every little thing. You've got to list every little thing. And they get all these people together. And what's the common denominator? Oh, you all had a salad, you bought the lettuce from Ralph's on this particular day, and they they have it all down, and they say, this is the common denominator, and that's how they're able to trace back where the Ebola started. Well, it's the same thing here. 
What's going to be the common denominator from every single person on the planet, from every nation, every tribe, every city, every state, every county, every place, that one person here, one person there, all these people disappear. Who knows, like 300 million people, 500 million people that disappear out of the 7.5 billion people on planet Earth? It's like, what's the common denominator? They're all Jesus freaks. They're all Jesus freaks. They were all the people that all talked about God and you know, didn't believe in evolution, believe that God created them. It's like you're not going to be able to deny this. And all those people, you, that shared with people, even though they called you a lunatic to your face, they're going to go home and see, what does the Bible say? The truth of God goes out and doesn't come back void. So even though they might look at you and say you're nuts, They'll go home at night, and then what's the Holy Spirit do? One will be taken, one will be left. He'll be speaking to their hearts. They'll walk away from you. You're a crazy lunatic. And God will be like, what if you're left behind? Because that's what God does. See, we're not called to lead people to Christ. We're called to share the message. And as we share the message, people will come to Christ. And if you share the message enough, you might say, you know, Pastor, I've kind of talked with people. I've never led anyone to Christ. Well, keep talking. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org. As well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 